I think this is a good practice is like never be satisfied. You know, you go out and you look for the circumstances that you want and if you can't find it, make it, right? Always be curious about what you're doing or having or making something better. Welcome to Eco Ask Why, a podcast that dives into industrial manufacturing topics and spotlights the heroes that keep America running. I'm your host, Chris Granger, and on this podcast, we do not cover the latest features and benefits on products that come to market. Instead, we focus on advice and insight from the top minds of industry because people and ideas will be how America remains number one in manufacturing in the world. So welcome to Eco Ask Why. Today we have an idea episode and what we're going to be talking about is what is wireless ethernet? And to help walk us through that, we have Vic Parangelo, who is the regional manager at ProSoft. So welcome, Vic. Hey, Chris. Thanks for having me. I'm I'm excited to have you, man. So you're you're located where at again? Uh, New York, up on Long Island. Okay, man. So uh, we're we're recording what February. So what's uh, what's the weather up there? Well, today today's nice, but I mean the past two weeks we got 18 inches of snow one day, then nine inches a few days later. So you know they've been keeping me busy with the snowblower. But but hey, you know it's winter, right? That's right. That's right. Well, keep keep that weather up there. You know, I, I, North Carolina, I like a little warmer, but man, this is a, a fun topic. I'm excited. You are an expert in this space and uh, maybe to get us started just with, with our listeners who may not be familiar with, with, with what wireless ethernet is, can you give them a, a, a little explanation here? Sure. Wireless ethernet is using electromagnetic waves, you know, to transmit data through the air, just like radio, you know, instead of uh, traditional physical copper or fiber optic cable. You know, cellular is another form of wireless. There's also a 900 megahertz frequency hopping, which is an older form, it's kind of fading out. But you know, industrial Wi-Fi, there's another form of wireless ethernet and it's utilized in just hundreds of different industrial applications. I mean, it's essentially hardened, ruggedized form of 802.11 Wi-Fi, which is the same that you have in your house, right? You know, I'm sure, Chris, there was a time when the computer in your house had a cable, an Ethernet cable running through a, a router, and now I'm guessing it's wireless. You know, you had some uh, previous episodes where you guys were talking about, uh, you know, just so many different um, applications and demystifying industrial Wi-Fi. You know, I think it was Scott McNeil, and he got into great detail, great detail. I mean, he talked about UDP versus TCP packets and packet loss and latency values, I mean, the whole thing, roaming, and he stresses the importance of, you know, doing a spectrum analysis versus just a uh, site survey. And, you know, he really talked about owning your airspace before you deploy a wireless solution. You know, I like to say you've got to sniff the air. So, you know, you have, you have commercial products like, you know, your phones and your TV and your tablets, but even like your thermostat and your, your doorbell, but now it's, you know, it's getting crazy. Now you have things like smart fish tanks and cat feeders. Um, but industrial Wi-Fi, you know, used in factory automation for like whether it's discrete or process. You know, this is what you're talking about communications between industrial devices, right? Machine to machine, uh, sensor to machine, mobile worker to machine, you know, but you're just getting data from point A to point B wirelessly, you know, and in really the most simple terms, you use wireless Ethernet when you can't or just don't want to use a cable. I mean, if you think about it, 
with wireless, there's no trenching, you don't need permits, you're not pulling wires, running conduit. Um, you can hit long distances that you couldn't with the cable um, or places you just wanna have accessibility. You don't have to dig up blacktop. You know, sometimes it's just simpler, lower cost and easier and faster to deploy. Um, you know, and you know, it opens up a whole new set of use cases that you just couldn't do before with a cable. Right, right. Well, man, that's, thank you for breaking that down because I mean, I think most of us now, with the, like you said, we we know what the the Ethernet is from a wireless standpoint in our house. Tying that to the industrial is a different world. So, great great explanation. And you mentioned uh, my buddy Scott McNeil a few times in some some episodes he was in. He, he definitely he is uh, an expert as you are in this space. And I'm curious from what you're seeing, you know, are there are you seeing any trends? Uh, out there in the wireless Ethernet world that uh, are, are catching your eye? Yeah, Chris, there's a few trends. I'd say the first trend is that there's an increasing amount and type of devices that are using wireless. Again, the smart fish tank, the smart cat feeder, um, the smart garage door opener. There's also you know, increased security concerns. And then there's increased um, you know, throughput requirements. You know, Ethernet involved, it's involved in so many aspects of our life and in industry. You know, there was a time when wireless just couldn't handle the throughput requirements, you know, and with mobile applications, you know, you just couldn't do SIP safety over wireless um, without ultra fast roaming radios. So, I mean, you really have to take a look back at the IEEE 802.11 standard and walk back through history to understand how we got to where we are today. Uh, if, I think it started, you know, 802.11 started with what was called the B Amendment, uh, 1999, and that was 11 megabits per second. So as they discovered the capability and began to, you know, forecast real applications, they found that 11 megabits per second just wasn't fast enough. So in parallel, you know, the A group got together to increase that rate to 54 megabits per second, which really increased usability. Then I think it was in 2003, the G group, they added 54 megabit capability to the 2.4 uh, gigahertz band. After that, in 2009, you know, when wireless was really gaining, it was gaining a lot of capability with what's called the N amendment. You know, now along with greater speeds up to 300 megabits per second, uh, they added the flexibility and the functionality in both 2.4 and 5 gigahertz bands Plus, some new technology became available like channel bonding and MIMO antennas, or MIMO, depending on how you say it. And it goes on. The, the AC amendment increased the speeds up to a, a one gigabit per second. And then finally, now, I think it's the AX amendment, which I think is supposed to be released this month. You know, that has an estimated max rate up to 11 gigabits. I mean, you're talking about opening up an entire new potential for applications. It'll be exciting to see what happens when these technologies start entering applications if they haven't already. Yeah, no doubt, man. I mean, thank you for walking us through that 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 history and the evolution there. You know, and for the listener out there that, that may be listening, Vic, that that's not the expert that, that you are, you know, can you break it down, break it down for a fifth grader? How how does it work? Sure. So Wi-Fi basically works as an as an AP, as an access point and you establish a network for client devices to connect to the access point. You know, the, the client devices need to operate on the same frequency, 
They need to have the same network name and a WPA phrase to link up, right? You go to your buddy's house. I heard you say you're always asking, hey, what's your password, right? So once they link, you know, the access point and the clients will communicate. It is exactly the same as, you know, the router in your house, your smart TV, garage door. Those are all devices that connect to communicate to an access point. So the cool thing is some clients can also be repeaters, right? So these radios act as a client, but they can also repeat the signal off to another client, you know, which may be out of range of the, of the access point. Uh, you might have a similar setup in your house, something like an Orbi mesh network. Uh, you know, this allows a good signal to hit the far side of the house away from your access point when the access point, you know, can't hit it directly. And believe me, this is a great investment to keep the wife and kids from complaining. Right, right. That's right. Very good. So, I mean, I, I really like how you break that down, the access point and then have the different repeaters. So when you think through from an industrial standpoint, you know, these environments, man, you, you've been in them. They, they, can, they can be very challenging, to say the least. So what are some headwinds that you see these industrial users experiencing uh, that, that may be helpful for them to know, you know, prior to actually designing that system? So there's a few headwinds. I mean, number one, the, the throughput over wireless is generally slower than a physical cable. Okay. You know, the radio technology might catch up over time, but at this point, you know, if you have some ultra high throughput requirement, like you're streaming 4K video, a cable is going to beat wireless, right? That's one thing. Also, there's a perceived reliability issue with wireless. Now, that can really be nipped in the bud by just doing a proper site survey and spectrum analysis before deployment. I mean, you want to size the cables properly. You want to select the right antennas for the application. And, you know, also being a little bit vigilant. I mean, you want to look for rogue signals, which maybe aren't there today, but could pop up tomorrow and interfere with the operation. Uh, another thing, you know, line of sight is very important. You know, perfect line of sight is always helpful, you know, but sometimes environmental factors come into play. I mean, a, a wireless network might work perfectly for years, and then all of a sudden it gets flaky, you know, because a, a tree grew in the way, right, and interfered with the signal. You know, but it, only in the summer, it works fine in the winter because when the leaves are in bloom, you know. So right. when someone comes to me as considering using wireless Ethernet, um, I always ask 10 questions. What kind of devices are you connecting? That's important. You know, how many devices are you connecting? And keep in mind, you might add more devices later. Like, uh, you know, how much data are you moving? Is it SIP safety? Uh, you know, how often do you need to send that data? What are the environmental factors? Like you're talking about the, the tree, but also, you know, is it indoor in a warehouse with a lot of metal beams or, or is it outdoor with perfect line of sight? Um, and then there's different types of antennas you could use. What are the local laws for wireless? It doesn't really apply in the U.S., but if you're deploying the solution outside of the U.S., there might be laws, you know, that, that come into play. And then the last two are, you know, what frequencies are available and what channels are available. Those are usually the 10 questions, things you need to consider before you deploy the wireless. Mm -hmm. Gotcha. So, I mean, that, that headwind of reliability, though, it sounds like you can head that off with the right type of planning and implementation and designing a, the, the correct system. You, you, you got to keep in mind that, you know, industrial wireless radios are not your Linksys router in your house. They're hardened, they're 
you know, for the environment, they, they are meant to like not fail, right? right? You can't handle, you know, if you're watching Netflix right, and you lose your internet, oh well, but I mean, if, if you're, if the, the, the factory at GM goes down because the wireless went down, that, that's a big problem. Yeah, that's a, that's a different, different story there, right? right. <laughs> what about the engineer out there who's thinking right now, they're Vic and they're listening to you talk, but they're, they're just, they're bent, man. I gotta have that blue hose. It's this is critical. It cannot be replaced with wireless. You know, how, how do you talk to to that individual? You know, I, I tend to not twist anybody's arm. I mean, I'm not going to waste their time. You know, trying to offer something that's helpful or valuable. You know, who insists that blue hose can't be replaced with wireless? You can't lead a horse to water, right? Right. But you know, I'll say, hey, you can save a lot of money on time and inflation. You can get up and running quickly. Um, implementation is easier. It's extremely convenient, you know, but ultimately it might just allow you to do something that you couldn't do before with a physical cable. And now you're talking like, you know, next level functionality. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. No doubt. I love it. I mean, and that, that whole piece, you know, where you don't have to, uh, there's less capital. You're not having to make those, those big cable runs and things like that. So it definitely has its place. And, and we were talking, you know, getting ready to, to work together here. You mentioned some pretty cool use cases, man, that, 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 that got me going. So, you know, share those with our listeners about what you've seen at, at where wireless Ethernet being used. Sure, sure. So, you know, wireless Ethernet uh, amusement park rides, that's my favorite, right? You can't drag an Ethernet cable around with the, the roller coaster cars. So it's big in amusement park rides. Uh, automotive manufacturers, you got the skillets going around, you know, constantly of the, the, the building cars. Those could be connected wirelessly. You have a PLC on a skillet and then a, a bunch of access points that it's just, just hopping to. Uh, Broadway shows, right? When you've got uh, the stage, the set, mobile set, things moving around on the set. That was kind of pretty cool. Your Amazons, your Walmarts, they've got AGVs running around all over the place. Uh, you know, those are all talking wirelessly back to an access point. Uh, a couple other ones like uh, tire and rubber facilities. Um, I mean, you know, these places uh, are surprised to learn. Some of them are making upwards of 40,000 passenger car tires a day. So they got to store these things. They got to stack them. And, and another cool one, the last one I'd say is, you know, cranes. Cranes at ports that are unloading container ships, from, uh, containers from ships, you know, eliminating the cables involved in that. Um, those are all some pretty cool applications that I see all the time. The biggest thing with wireless, so SIP safety has always been, you know, a key thing that prevented the use of wireless Ethernet, you know, in these kinds of applications, all of those cool ones I just described, you know, but the latest wireless technology has given wireless Ethernet ultra fast roaming times, right, below 10 milliseconds, so as low as 2 milliseconds. This is critical when you're talking about allowable packet losses during what's called roaming. And the roaming is, you know, a hop over from one access point, you know, to the next. So Vic, that's very great points because SIP is very important to, to consider with this wireless. Now, do you happen to remember that 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 roller coaster? Because I know you sent me one. I can't remember off the top of my head, but it was pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. So it was a drop tower called Skyfall uh, over in Europe. And that's that one was right. pretty cool because Imagine you got this ring full of 24 people sitting and they, they bring them up, I don't know, 300 feet, 400 feet, and then they drop them. And they need to, you know, maintain um, communication with that, with that unit as it's going up and down with all the people on it. And there's lots of sensors on there, right? Is there waiting to see, is the seatbelt clicked over? 
Um, so you imagine this thing just cycling back and forth, back and forth, you know, managing that with a flexing cable. Um, there was a technology used on that actually called radiating cable, which is a special antenna that runs the entire length of the drop. So instead of an antenna pointing at it, it's got like a perfect line of sight the whole way down because the antenna literally runs the whole way down. Nice, nice. They're very cool. We'll link that video too, because when you sent it to me, Vic, that thing was that was super cool. Uh, to, 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 yeah, man. I was like, well, I don't do those rides. I think my the, our executive producer he likes that stuff, but uh, it it looks pretty cool, man. Good stuff. Yeah. Now, yeah. A big a big topic, Vic, that we've talked about a lot on the show: cybersecurity. And you know, recently, with some recent events in in this country, you've seen that happen be even more prevalent. So. When you introduce wireless Ethernet and to the cybersecurity together, how, how do we make sure that the data is not getting into the wrong hands, man? You know, you start talking about things like uh, wireless Ethernet has WPA, WPA3, uh, 256-bit AES encryption. You know, these are the precautions that are taken to you know, ensure security. Uh, and I'll be honest, I don't really know how it works. I'm not exactly sure, you know, how it can be hacked or not. But, you know... Some locations where wireless Ethernet is used, they're fairly isolated from the public. So in cases like that, you know, nobody really has access you know, to the signal anyway. But even if they did, you know, some radios have this rogue access signal detection and, and even this air marshal compatibility or capability. So basically, they can detect a source of interference, an unfriendly IP address, a MAC address, and they can actually kill it. That's the, the, the sky marshal, air marshal. My, my son explained it to me this way, and I, I liked his explanation. He said, imagine you had a padlock, right, and you need a key, and only one key works, and you have a pile in front of you with 1 times 10 to the 77th keys to choose from. So that's one with 77 zeros after it, right? It's a lot of keys, and only one key works. It's pretty much unhackable by just brute force methods. Okay. Well, that makes me feel better about it for sure, buddy. <laughs> How about the engineer? You mentioned your son or any young engineer out there that's interested in learning about some of these best practices that you've been unpacking. Where, where should they be investing some time to get better? So as far as best practices, I think I could think of four. I mean, the first one, I think the biggest one is to find mentors. I mean, this is extremely important. You know, invest the time to find the people who have proven to be good at what you want to do, right? Like system design, you know, they're out there. Um, you know, you can learn from them. These are very successful people. You know, you'll eventually grow beyond what, you know, what they are, but most of them are very happy to help. They want to talk about what they know, you know, what they've learned and, and they'll share with you. I learned a lot just listening to your podcast. I mean, that's one, um, you know, read. I like to read biographies and audio books, you know, while I'm driving. Because I can learn in two hours or in two days what it took an expert decades to learn, right? That's all compressed into two hours. That, that's very efficient. I think that's a great practice. Um, another one is, you know, really organize your notes. Uh, I write everything down. And I'm not talking about like, you know, on a napkin. I like journals. I have journals on my shelves here that go back into the late 80s. You know, and, and I reference them once in a while you know, on my bookshelves. And the last one, I think this is a good practice, is like never be satisfied. You know, you go out and you look for the circumstances that you want 
And if you can't find it, make it, right? Always be curious about what you're doing or having or making something better. Right, no doubt. Well, Vic, this has been a lot of, of great information around this topic, and we call it Eco Ask Why. We, we, we always wrap up with the why. You know, so the list for the listener that's out there to, that, that is interested in wireless Ethernet, why should industry embrace that technology and start utilizing its capabilities? So I don't think industry needs to embrace wireless just for the sake of adopting something new. You know, but again, that's what we've been saying here. Ethernet, wireless Ethernet does offer a solution in an area where traditional Ethernet cable just doesn't work. You know, it opens the door to new possibilities that didn't exist before, like, um, you know, long distance. I mean, the max length of an Ethernet cable is 100 meters without a repeater. Wireless Ethernet can go miles, right? And then when you incorporate cellular, you know, you can, you can hit anywhere around the world. You know, Chris, funny little fact, Cellular coverage is the number two most available resource on the planet next to air. There you go. Um, cost, you know, compare the cost, like we talked about, running conduit, pulling wire, you know, trenching under roads. Wireless deployment is so much easier sometimes. And then there was, you know, the SIP safety we talked about. This is a big one. Older generation radios just didn't have, you know, it couldn't cut it in mobile applications that required SIP safety. You know, now they can. You know, and I think, look, Chris, there's all this talk about digital transformation, right? Industry 4.0, uh, the IIoT, you know, pick, your, pick your, your subject headline. I've heard it said that the basis of any IIoT strategy is data. And I, I agree with that statement, but how do you get the data, Right. I take it one step further and say the basis of any IIoT strategy is connectivity. You know, you need to connect, get your hands on the data, and there's definitely data out there that just can't be reached with a cable. Right, no doubt. Love it, love it, and, and hence wireless Ethernet they get you there. So, yeah. for the listeners that, that want to learn more, connect with Vic. Check out the show notes. We'll have all the, the resources and links there that he mentioned. Uh, be able to connect with you directly on LinkedIn and other areas, as well as ProSoft. And Vic, man, thank you. This has been a lot of fun. I really enjoyed you, uh, what you brought on this fun topic. Thank you, Chris. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Thank you, sir. Thank you for listening to Eco Ask Why. This show is supported ad-free by Electrical Equipment Company. Eco is redefining the expectations of an electrical distributor by placing people and ideas before products. Please subscribe and share with your colleagues and friends. Also, leave comments, feedback, and any new topics that you would like to hear. To learn more or to share your insights, visit ecosy.com. That's E-E-C-O-A-S-K-S-W-H-Y.com.